Welcome to the Financial Advisors Advisor, the podcast offering guidance and advice on all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the go-to podcast for any financial advisor in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. Appreciate you joining us. This is Frank LaRosa, the CEO of Elite Consulting Partners. And I'm always here with my trusted associate, right-hand guy, Dale Dempsey. It's my COO. How you doing, bud? I'm having a jolly Friday. Jolly Friday. It's uh, kind of crappy outside, so it's not that jolly, but good for you. The weather's not jolly. I'm very jolly. That's awesome. It's not Christmas. I'm not trying to lead into anything. Got it. Okay. We appreciate everybody joining. If you're new to the podcast, thank you and welcome. We are certain you'll find our information worthy of your time. I haven't really talked about this in a while, but we are trying to keep our episodes and our conversations sort of short and to the point. We want you guys to be listening to these when you're on your way to work and really taking the few points that we talk about and letting them sink in, think about them, bring them back to your office, have them become a meaningful impact to your business down the road. If you think that these are are worthy of that, we'd ask you to share them, tell a buddy, tell a friend, go to iTunes. I got a great comment last night from somebody, appreciate it, says he was hooked, which is awesome, great content, I'm hooked. Ask him to put that on iTunes, hit that like button and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. With that said, I wanted to just jump into something that's sort of been a theme for us over the last several podcasts about growing your business and thinking about your practice and your business into the future. Last episode, we really talked about levering up your business and going from $5 million to $10 million, or maybe you're not quite large, you're at 500000 and you want to go to $2 million or $3 million or whatever. And one of the themes that everyone talks about is, is acquisitions, whether it's succession planning, M&A, doesn't really matter. It's acquisitions. Something that tends to get looked over all the time, and I used to have this conversation when I was a branch manager and a complex director for Smith Barney and then Morgan Stanley, when guys would come to me and they'd want to form a group and I'd say, okay, well, what are you going to call yourselves? And they would come up with all sorts of interesting names. For the most part, their names were in the name of their practice. So it was combinations of their last names? Last names, first names, initials. And really the theme for this podcast is really what's in a name and why is that so important to you? You'd be surprised how many people overlook this aspect of branding themselves. So these guys would come to me and they say, I don't want to use any names, but they'd use their both of their last names. And so we really want to today just cover like the five mistakes that these types of people make when coming up with their name for their practice. If you're in a captive W-2 environment, if you're independent, really coming up with a name for the business. So just rattling off a couple of quick ones here. The first one is really what we just touched on is you're using your own name. So your own name in the name of the business. That's a huge mistake. I think everybody should try to avoid that. With the exception maybe of you are a celebrity, because there are some, I mean, there's a guy named JP Morgan, maybe a celebrity outside of financial services, but there is an exception to that. 
Okay, maybe if Tom Brady was going to open up his own wealth management <laughs> firm and he wanted to use Tom Brady wealth management, he could probably get away with it. I'll give him some slack. Can we clarify this in just a little bit? So if you are in a path to building a brand around your name and do have a bigger vision, you can pull it off. You can, but it's difficult. Number two is the name is too long. We can get into that. Number three, basically you're using a name that's similar to other practices at your firm or in your marketplace. That's a huge mistake. It's too hard to pronounce. You may have a creative mind and you come up with this really awesome, interesting name, but it's really too hard to pronounce. And then the last one is it's really too generic and not memorable at all. And so what I thought we would do is just, and since Dale wanted to jump into the first one about your name, again, if Tom Brady's listening to this, you got the green light to go ahead and use your name, <laughs> to use your name and name of the practice. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Because if it was Brady Wealth Management, I don't know if Tom Brady comes to mind. But my point was, there are certain names in the business there you are, would right? know their there last are. name. And, and yeah. So folks, where this comes in and where we see this being a mistake is when you have your name, whether it's first name, last name, initials, that are the primary driver in your business name, and then you're going to acquire practices down the road. Again, I want everybody to be thinking sort of like long ball here, down the road, visualizing how you're going to grow your business. So this is not necessarily with your client base, although it does have some aspect to that. It's about growth of business, and I really think there's a massive opportunity for acquisitions, and so you need to be thinking about that. So if I'm John Smith and Dale Dempsey is running his wealth management business and he's got a great story or whatever, I may not want to roll my practice under Dale Dempsey Wealth Management because my clients are going to want to know, well, what does that mean? Did you sell your business to this guy, Dale Dempsey? And there's issues with that. And it just gives a potential acquiree a hurdle to have to overcome when rolling into your office or your firm. You need to be thinking about that. Maybe a very subtle thing, but I'm telling you, it plays a big role in people's decisions and doing that. And the primary driver to that whole thing is what I found is just ego. So you really want to work and pick a name that, and we can go into some of that later, but has some meaning to it. Maybe you're uh, near a mountain ridge that's really famous and you want to call it Blue Mountain Ridge, sort of ridge wealth management or something to that effect. You're near a really historic bridge we work with a team and they're sort of where their office is located is name of their team is Stonebridge. It's pretty easy to remember when you go to their office, it makes sense. And it's a known entity in their marketplace. And even though the advisors are known, we actually helped them move recently and they actually just hit a billion dollars today, as a matter of fact. So congratulations, guys. If you're listening to Brian and John and everybody, these guys were smart enough to really brand an image that's a known entity in their marketplace. So well, you can even look at your clients too. If they are of the same demographic, maybe they are all former military. I've seen that work before. Patriot Wealth Management. Right. Right. That's a good observation looking at the demographic you're going after. So you need to be thinking about that. Initials, same deal with the initials. I mean, you can have two or three people as part of a law firms do this all the time, right? They have names or initials. You can have your initials, but if somebody leaves that team or your practice and their initials are part of that name, then what are you going to do? You got to change the name. 
I can speak to a, a certain team in our marketplace that that happened recently where the initials were initials of the two main principles. And now they got to change the name, which means they got to go change all their branding, which means they got to go change all of their their logos, their business cards, their website, everything, including these particular individuals, their license plates on their cars, which was really sort of ego related. Anyway, so that's the other thing. Number two, the name is too long. And although this sounds sort of like I'm nitpicking, but having a name that's too long, not only is hard to say or pronounce in a sort of elevator pitch, you have to think about the simple things like what does it look like on your business card? What's your URL mean? When someone says, hey, what's your email address? And you have to give them this long drawn out name. Those are the kinds of things that you have to think about. So when coming up with your name, you have to write all this stuff out. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about some of the strategies that we went through with ours. But really, I can get into that now. But basically, you want to brain dump a piece of paper, put all the different variations of names that you can possibly think about on a piece of paper and include wealth management, advisory practice, like whatever the sort of the generic part of the name would be, because you want to look to see what that looks like, which sort of part of the ones in terms of getting into the initials, you might have some initials that you know what the initials mean. But if you say them as a word, it doesn't sound great. One of our uh, junior associates here, Marat, had a great Marat. What was that one that you mentioned? Adam Smith Stanley. Adam Smith Stanley. So ass. Those are the kinds of things that you need to slow down and think about them, sit on them, come back to the list, no pun intended there, sorry, but write all that stuff down and come back to the list several times. You would be surprised. You may look at that list in the morning and see certain things that resonate with you. Then you go back that night and some of those things don't make sense to you and you just start crossing stuff off to get down to really what those types of names that resonate with you. It seems like some names evolve from many more syllables than you would want into one single or two syllable words. Yeah, especially when you're creating a name that's too long. You were talking about the George Carlin. Yeah, there's this George Carlin. Well, I don't know if it's an episode or whatever. So he talks about how names have become much more syllabalized. He's talking about shell-shocked has now become... We went through a whole iteration over the years, but now basically it's called post-traumatic stress disorder, something like that. And the idea is words do evolve over time. But what I've noticed is once a name gets traction, it starts to become shorter. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we can candidly, we can speak to that with our, oh yeah, any of our firm. Absolutely. I'll get into that. But yeah, I mean, our elite consulting partners, I can tell over the last couple of years, when we're calling somebody and we're, whether it's an introduction or we're just introducing yourself on the phone, it's from elite. People know that. So it's great. And that's where you want to get to. And we're going to cover in a few minutes sort of, sort of having a name mean something. But number three really is similar to other brands. And this is as, can be as easy as just doing a Google search. Do a Google search on the names that you want and see what other types of companies have that name in your marketplace, you would be surprised. Oh, you would be surprised because I see this all the time. You know they didn't do a Google search and or didn't do a Google search the right way. That's a whole other podcast and or YouTube tutorial that you should look into, but you clearly didn't do enough research. Right. You got to do those things. Number four, you sort of touched on that a little bit. 
the name is just too hard to pronounce or say. And I sort of visualize this. You're in the elevator or you're playing golf and someone asks you who you are and, oh, where do you work or what do you do? And you want to announce your name, who you are and the firm you work with. And if you have some cockamamie name or it's too difficult because you came up with some cool idea, ancient Greek Roman name or whatever, combine the Greek and Roman because you thought it was cool. But it might be a cool name. Hard. Right. It might be cool. If it's in a different language, that also becomes pretty tricky. <laughs> right. Right. So think about those kinds of things, which also gets into the multiple syllables and all that stuff. Right. So talking about that. And it's hard to remember, at least for me, it's hard to remember words and names that are in a different language. It's not always the easiest thing to pull on because the languages, the origins are completely different than what I'm used to. Just Google search stuff. Be smart about it because number five is really sort of almost like the opposite of number four and that is being too generic because you don't want to put any time into it so you come up with some boring name that's got no story to it. Can I throw one out there? Yeah, go ahead. I hope I don't upset anybody at this firm, but it's always amazed me. It's called Broker Dealer Financial Services. I believe it's incorporated. I don't know if that falls into like all of the things we've talked about or what, but it's always amazed me that that even exists as a name. Right. That's really long. And I think at one point they actually tried to rebrand themselves into like BDFSIC. Right. Well, right. That's, even their initials, their initials are hard to pronounce. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. And it should have some, in sort of being generic or non-generic, it's good to have a story behind it or something. If it is generic, it's got to have a meaning or a story to make it memorable. And I'll give you an example. So we work with a large producer group, a Terra Financial Group, and the name of their, their organization, region, is called Bar Financial. So one day I'm talking with the president of the company, and I'm like, dude, where did you come up with? I was trying to figure out on my own, okay, what does that mean? Like, and I finally just asked him, what does it mean? And he tells the story, which was great, because it, it made me really remember the firm tells a story that they were at some recognition council meeting and they were trying to figure out what the name of their new region was going to be. And he gets up, his name is Greg. So Greg gets up to basically win this, take this award. And the guy that announces it says, and Greg's from that big ass region. And Greg was like, dude, that's our name right there. So Bar Financial stands for big ass region, which I thought was unique and creative and easy to remember. I'll use us as an example. And there's a good story behind it. And there's a great story behind it. And it really connects you to the person you're telling the story to. Sort of on a personal note, when I started Elite nine years ago, I didn't do a lot of these things. And so this is some where some of this is coming from. We learn and we improve on everything we're doing. And a lot of this stuff, candidly, I, I didn't do which is where I came up with Elite because I thought it was great. I thought it was cool. We operate at a higher level. We try to operate at a high level at an elite level, which is where that came from. But the rest of the name was recruiting and consulting, which is really not generic, which is really sort of, it's just plain. In addition to it getting blocked by emails and all that stuff because they had the name recruiting into it, it just was so darn generic. And it wasn't really representative of what we do for a living. And so I went through this exercise that we just covered, wrote down all these different names, 
including the name Elite, to come up with a name that I felt like represented us. And so we came up with consulting partners, so Elite Consulting Partners, because that's really what we do. We consult with our partners, and that is if you're a client of ours, an advisor looking to move, you're our client and our partner. And so we approach everything as a partner. If you are a corporate entity that we work with, where we might refer that advisor, you are also our partner. And we are consulting with both parties to make sure there's a right fit for everybody. We want our advisor client to be happy. So Brian and those guys from Stonebridge hitting a billion dollars, and they only moved less than a year ago, which is basically they hit a billion dollars in, I'll call it 10 months, brought in over $200 million roughly in that period of time. So they're crushing it. We're so proud of that. But we made sure that that was the right fit. And on the flip side, they went to a firm called Triad Hybrid Solutions. They were also our partner because we made sure that Stonebridge was the right fit for them as well, culturally. And so that's where I came up with Elite Consulting Partners. And I'm happy now that when we call somebody and we just use the name Elite, they know that. And so within our industry, it's sort of a known thing now, which is phenomenal. So that, that was sort of like my little, you know, learning my own lessons and being able to sort of pay that forward for everybody that doesn't do it the right way. And then the final thing to that, we're not going to cover on this podcast because we're not a PR firm and an image and branding firm, but y'all need to remember and keep in mind to go through the same exercise when you're looking at your logo. So what does your logo represent relative to the name of your firm and how y'all operate and practice? And so just to sort of give you an example... So, Dan, when you and I went through this, my first logo was, I don't know, it was ridiculous. It was like a circle. It was like a circle, so generic, boring, thought it was cool and creative. What did I know? My wife told me she was right as usual. That's okay. Shout out to my wife, Kim. Maybe at the time, though, I'll give you some credit. At the time, for what you could put into a branding scenario, it wasn't that bad at all. No, right. But so when we went through this next iteration of branding, now this was probably six or seven years ago at this point, we decided on a night chess piece. And one of the main reasons is because in addition to be consulting partners with our clients, we take a very strategic approach to the process that we bring our advisor clients through. And we're agnostic to direction. And in a way, that's sort of what a night represents. Because a night, and you, Dale, you can speak to this because you're a better chess player than I am, a night can go in multiple directions. Yeah, you know, it can definitely. Actually, I've read something about this. If you think about it as like a lever that you can pull on a chessboard, it actually changes, doesn't literally change the black and white squares, but it, it will change the mathematics around everything that happens on the board. So the more you move your night piece, the more that you can disrupt the board. And it's one of the it might be the most strategic piece you can have on the board at any time. And again, and therein lies sort of the rationale behind picking the knight. We went through, oh, the king and the queen, or oh, we're not going to do the queen, but the king, the queen, the bishop, all those things didn't really make sense because I wanted to stay within that chess theme, that strategy theme. And to Dale, to your point, when I started Googling the meanings of all these different pieces, the knight piece being also one of the coolest looking pieces really was the most strategic was the most disruptive to the game. And so that's what we try to do by being disruptive to the norms of what has been the quote-unquote recruiting business for the last 20 years. 
And so our approach, our agnostic approach to how we consult with our clients, in my opinion, was disruptive. And that's where we really came down to and deciding on that piece. So I think everybody needs to go through that same process and thought. If you're at a large firm or an independent firm, a lot of those firms will have a marketing and branding department. Some have larger firms than others. There are some third-party vendor firms out there that you can go to. I actually used a program called Logo Guru, which I thought was really cool. It's essentially like a bidding platform where you go in and you can put in all of your requirements for your logo, your thoughts, your themes, your color styles, all this stuff. And then for three, four, five hundred dollars $500, you essentially bid out your job to people all over the world. So you're sort of paying it forward because you're helping people all over the world where $500 is a lot of money. I think by the time the two-week cycle that we went through, I think I had something like 400 different designs to pick from, which was phenomenal from Thailand and Cambodia and India, New Mexico, United States, all over the world, which was fascinating to me. A lot of brilliant artists got their start on those platforms. Oh, exactly. My opinion, brilliant. Yeah. You can go through and see the designers and how many designs they've won. And it's really interesting. But that was me. I didn't have a big organization to pull on. If you have that organization, go through that. But really, the moral of the story here is really take time to go through this process. Don't rush it. It's going to become who you are and how you build your business moving forward. You need to think about these things in terms of attracting new clients and also attracting new advisors to your business as you want it to grow. So think about it. If you have any questions, always feel free to email us. You can email me at frank at eliteconsultingpartners.com. You can DM us. Go to our Instagram page, franklarosa.elite. Love to hear from you. Don't forget, share our podcast. People let you know. We really appreciate it. It's really the only thing that we ask of everybody that's listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot, everybody. See ya. You've been listening to the Financial Advisors Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, the leading experts in advisor transitions, succession planning, and broker-dealer and RIA M&A consulting. If you're looking for strategic advice or solutions on any of those topics within the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to the podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com. Yeah.